0: Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, the Lord God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God, and now may our hearts be prepared to receive this week's message: char- characters of the Nativity, the angels, from Tracy Walker. Thanks.
1: Good morning. Good morning. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for our worship service today and for the message we're about to hear. May these words bring you glory and bless your holy name. We pray that we will hear the good news of this message with open hearts and live lives that glorify you more and more each day. In Jesus' name, amen. How are we this morning? Good. So we all know the Christmas story. We, we know the basic plot line. Mary, a virgin, is told that she will give birth to a son. She and Joseph travel to Bethlehem to comply with Caesar's edict that a census be conducted. While in Bethlehem, Mary gives birth to the child who is wrapped in strips of cloth and laid in a manger because there was no room in the inn. Shepherds tending to their flocks in the fields outside Bethlehem are visited by the heavenly hosts who deliver the news of Jesus' birth. The shepherds leave their flocks and they go to Bethlehem to see the child. That's it. There's the story. I guess we can go home. For the next four weeks, we're going to, we're going to revisit this story over and over again. But what we're going to do in this four-week series for Advent is we're going to take a look at some of the characters in the Christmas story. Today, we'll begin with the angels. And in the weeks that follow, we're first going to talk about some of the unsung heroes. I asked Don if he was going to talk about the donkeys. I'm not sure if if that's on the list. But we'll also talk about the main characters, Joseph and Mary. And, of course, we'll close the series on Christmas Eve with a message about Jesus. And in doing the series and talking about the characters, we'll also draw uh, parallels to the season of Advent and the various themes of Advent, today being peace. So that's what you have to look forward to over the course of the next four weeks. So let's talk about the angels, the angels of the Christmas story. But before we talk about them specifically, let's talk about angels in general in scripture. They're not unique to this particular story. They appear throughout scripture in both the Old and the New Testaments. And angels are spiritual beings. Like us, they were created by God to do his work and share his messages. The Greek word for angels is angel angelos, which literally means messenger. Now, we find references to angels at the very beginning of Scripture in the book of Genesis. They played a key part in the story of Lot and his family and the destruction of Sodom. In Genesis 28, when Jacob fell asleep, he dreamed of angels ascending and descending the ladder between heaven and earth. It was an angel that Moses first saw in the burning bush when God called him to lead the people out of Egypt. And it was an angel that delivered a message to the Israelites, calling them out for their disobedience. And in Psalm 91, we're told that angels will be commanded to protect all of God's people. And angels play an important part in the New Testament as well, beyond just the Christmas story. After Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights in the the desert and was tested by the devils, it was angels that appeared and attended to him. In Acts 12... An angel of the Lord appeared to Peter and rescued him from prison. And in the Gospel of Matthew, we capture a brief glimpse of the return of Jesus, the second coming of Jesus, and he's accompanied by angels. Angels take on crucial tasks, and they deliver important messages throughout all of Scripture. Now, how many of you use angels in your Christmas decorating? They're they're a standard, right? We even have angels in here looking down on us, right? Well, as peaceful as these angels look, what we think of When you think of an angel and a Christmas decoration, what do you think of? You think of a cherub-cheeked angel, and it looks friendly and sweet, and they must fly around with their little wings. The angels like these have human-like forms. But the Bible gives us a completely different description of angels. Cherubim, which is one form of angel, they're described in the book of Ezekiel as having four faces. That's a little terrifying. Seraphim, another form of angel, are said to have six wings, two of which cover their eyes because they're not able to look upon God's holiness. Now, some do take on human form. There are two archangels referred to in the Bible Gabriel and Michael, and they take on human form, but in some descriptions, we find out that they're large humans, really large humans. And so they can be a little, um, they, they can be a little intimidating. But regardless of the physical characteristics of the angels, they are a reminder of how powerful and awe-inspiring our God truly is. Now in the Bible. Whenever an angel appears to a person, there's typically a common first line that the angel gives out. Do we know what it is? Do not be afraid, or some variant of that. Peace be with you. Fear not. So either by their physical appearance or the sheer magnitude of their presence, people in the Bible tend to be frightened by angels. Now, I have not personally been visited by an angel. You have. I'd like to hear about that. Um, But I I suspect just the surprise of an angel tapping me on the shoulder and saying hello would probably send me into a little bit of fear. Angels can be depicted as warriors. Warriors. We find scripture that says that they carry swords and they engage in battle in the heavenly realms and they were often sent by God to defeat Israel's enemies on the battlefield. But regardless, angels are holy. They've never sinned, so they worship before God's throne day and night. They have had the privilege of witnessing all of God's work and delivering God's messages. And they are critical to God's plan. And those in the Christmas story, as we'll find out, play a crucial role. Now, in today's reading, we have the first angel to arrive. And that's Gabriel. And he comes to Mary. Now, as I said, Gabriel is one of the two angels referenced in the Bible by name. The other is Michael. And both are referred to as archangels which, as far as I can tell from my research and my reading, is just kind of an upper rank of angels. I guess the angels have a hierarchy, and they're at the top of the list. Now, Gabriel actually first appears in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament when he visits Daniel to affirm Daniel's prophetic visions about the kingdom of God. And in the Gospel of Luke, the first time we hear about Gabriel is not when he comes to Mary, but before that, when he visits Zechariah to tell him the news of his wife, Elizabeth's miraculous pregnancy, that would result in a son in a son whom they were to name John, who was John the Baptist. Very good. His appearance to Mary in the second chapter of the gospel, which is described in, the reading, in our reading today, is really considered to be the opening scene of the Christmas story. Gabriel tells Mary that she's highly favored and that, he'll, and that he, she will give birth to a son whom she, uh, whom she was to name Jesus and he will be the long-awaited son of the Most High. Now, we can all imagine, again... Mary's there minding her own business. Angel shows up, greets her, and she's taken aback. In fact, this verse says that she's troubled. And what did Gabriel say? Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And Gabriel must have been pretty convincing because Mary obviously found peace in the words describing who Jesus was destined to be, because by the end of the encounter with Gabriel, which we didn't read this morning, Mary responds, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And with that, the angel left her. It was a short encounter, But the exchange between Gabriel and Mary is truly remarkable, and it deserves its place as one of the most remembered details of the birth narrative of Jesus. Now, Gabriel makes another appearance, but it's not covered in Luke's gospel. It's actually covered um, in Matthew's. Now, there's two birth narratives. There's Luke's, which we typically rely on because it seems to be the most detailed. Matthew gives a narrative as well. And Matthew's narrative really is more from Joseph's perspective because Joseph, to whom Mary was pledged to be married, was a righteous Jewish man. He understood and he followed the law of Moses. But he also had compassion So when he discovers that Mary's pregnant, he decides that he's going to quietly divorce her so she would be spared the public humiliation that was sure to come. Again, this is, under Jewish law, this is a scandal. But even though he had decided in his own mind what he was going to do, an angel comes to Joseph in a dream to intervene. And many biblical scholars agree that that angel that came to to Joseph was Gabriel. The angel enters Joseph's dream and says, that's right, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Now, in this case, the angel really isn't addressing the fact that Joseph is startled. He was asleep after all. But he's giving Joseph peace of mind to take Mary as his wife, because as scandalous as this situation might seem, this is all part of God's plan. And again, the reassuring words of the angel of the Lord must have worked, because as we all know, Joseph did as he was told. He took Mary to be his wife, and he became the, the earthly father of Christ. Now, it's important that we take a momentary pause in the Christmas story, and let's jump ahead a little bit in Matthew's Gospel. After the Magi visited Jesus, Joseph has another encounter with an angel of the Lord, and again, we think it's Gabriel. And the angel, once again, comes to Joseph in a dream, And the angel warns Joseph that he must take Mary and Jesus and flee to Egypt to escape death threats from Herod. And Joseph was obedient to the commands of the angel, and he took Jesus and Mary to safety. Clearly, clearly, the angel Gabriel was instrumental in the birth of Jesus, in that story. It was Gabriel that prepared both Mary and Joseph and set the tone for God's plans. And it was Gabriel, more than likely, that made sure Joseph protected Jesus so God's plans could be fulfilled. Excuse me. Now, when we think of angels in the Christmas story, I don't think anyone thinks of really anything else but the image of the angels announcing the birth of Jesus to the shepherds. That's probably comes top of mind. The interaction as described by Luke begins with one angel of the Lord, but this encounter is a little different. When Luke describes the angel, he includes the description and the glory of the Lord shown around them. Could this have been God himself? Luke says that the shepherds were terrified. So what are the first words spoken by the angels? That's right. Do not be afraid. And the angel, or the Lord, goes on to tell the shepherds that the Messiah is born and where to find him. Then, as if to add emphasis a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel. And some translations use the word multitude to describe the number of angels who appear. Luke is is describing thousands, if not tens or hundreds of thousands of angels appearing before the shepherds. And what were they doing? They were praising God. So while... So when Gabriel appeared to, to Mary and Joseph, it was astonishing, but it pales in comparison to the scene Luke describes in the fields. It is this episode with the shepherds that is most awesome. It's hard to imagine having one archangel appear in one's room, let alone God the Father himself and an unfathomable fathomable army of angels singing his praises. And while there's relatively little known about Gabriel and the the rest of the angels, what is known is utterly remarkable. It ought to be a comfort and encouragement to see how involved God's heavenly creatures have been and are with humanity. This is the first Sunday of Advent. We observe Advent as a time of preparation for the coming Christ child. Each Sunday, we'll light a candle, culminating with the lighting of the fifth candle, the Christ candle. Each candle represents a theme, as you'll hear during the liturgy spoken during the lighting. Over the four weeks, we'll hear about peace, joy, love, and hope. This week, we light the candle of peace, so it makes sense that we've considered the angels of the Christmas story, despite their often sudden and somewhat unsettling entrances, Gabriel and the angels that appeared to the shepherds brought the presence of peace and messages of hope and salvation. They remind us that God is intimately involved in our lives, offering us the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Fear not, was their common refrain, to Mary. Gabriel offered assurance that his appearance was the result of Mary finding favor with God. For Joseph, Gabriel provides peace of mind that by taking Mary as his wife, it's an integral part of God's plan. To the shepherds who were so frightened, the angel of the Lord provided comfort by saying, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Much of our world takes a moment to pause, to reflect at Christmas, even though many times people don't really know why. It's easy to become cynical when we're bombarded by advertising, promoting the idea that the true meaning of Christmas is found in that expensive car with the ridiculous bow parked in your driveway. That is the meaning of Christmas. Who here makes a point of watching a Charlie Brown Christmas each year? Yeah, is that on your, on your watch list? Now there's a perfect example of Christmas cynicism in the midst of commercialization. When Charlie Brown reaches his breaking point, he cries out, isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is about? And it's Linus. It's Linus who comes to the rescue as he recites Luke 2, 8 through 14. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were so afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, That's the meaning of Christmas, Charlie Brown. The first proclamation of of Christmas came from heaven to earth through the voices of angels speaking to the shepherds. And suddenly there was with with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Remember, earlier when we talked about the characteristics of angels, how they were warriors and they were used to do battle for God. Notice here, on that night, on that very special night, the Lord of hosts does not send his angels ahead to slaughter the wicked. Instead, he sends them to be heralds of good news, proclaiming peace on earth through songs of joy peace the angels proclaimed was not a declaration for world peace or the end of war and strife. It wasn't a direct announcement that we will all now miraculously get along with our neighbors. The peace on earth Jesus brings is the peace that we can have with God through Jesus Christ. This peace comes from faith in Jesus and and forgiveness that follows. first and foremost during this Advent season, this time of preparation to receive the Christ child, we need to accept and embrace the peace we have in God. Despite all the talk of peace and grace in Christian circles, very few of us are completely, absolutely, without a doubt convinced that we can receive the love of God as a gift with no effort on our part. We try to make it so much harder We mistakenly believe that we need to work for it or prove our worthiness of it. In the angel's proclamation, we find out that we can't earn this peace with God. It's freely available to us. We didn't reach our Savior by going up to him. Rather, as it says in Luke 2.11, the angel says, a Savior has been born to you. James writes in chapter three of his epistle, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. As we spend time during this Advent season preparing, contemplating, and meditating on what the arrival of Jesus means to this broken world, let's find ways to be peacemakers. Peacekeeping tries to appease and patch it together and keep everyone satisfied or at least quietly disgruntled. Peacemaking happens through healing and restoration. And Jesus is a peacemaker. Let's pray. Loving Father, I thank you for these words. I thank you for, for the message that you placed on my heart this morning. May we all take time to consider the importance of angels, not only in the Christmas story, but in our daily lives. And may we be peacemakers. May we go into the world shouting from the rooftops the message of healing and restoration that we find through Jesus Christ. We pray these things in your holy name. Amen.